Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, friends. Welcome to Bible Truth for Living. This is Pastor Tim Reynolds, your host. We sure appreciate you listening today. Before the message, I want to tell you about something exciting we have coming up in the month of March, uh, just a few weeks away. Uh, We're going to have a guest speaker from the Institute for Creation Research out of Dallas, Texas, uh, our guest speaker will be Dave Napier. Now, Dave is making a, uh, a trip here to speak to us regarding the great North American eclipse that will be occurring on April the 8th of this year. Uh, if you don't know much about this, you're going to be hearing more about it as we get closer to that date. And so on Sunday, March the 24th, which will be two weeks prior to the eclipse event, Uh, Brother Dave Napier with the Institute for Creation Research will be at our church in Mount Vernon, Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. He's going to talk about the significance of this event as uh, in regards to God's creation and the prophetic implications as well. If you haven't done much study on this, uh, you might uh, do a little bit. You might look it up uh, and see exactly what it's all about. It's probably going to be the greatest um, uh, travel trip that many people will even take in the United States, and it's occurring right here uh, in southern Illinois. Uh, this region uh, will see the impact more than any other in the United States, and uh, it crosses the path of the previous eclipse that occurred in 2017. And so there's a lot of interesting things there, and uh, so we want to invite you to come uh, March the 24th, that's on a Sunday, 10 a.m. at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple, and hear more about this, and we'll be reminding you as the weeks continue and we get closer to that event. Today's message is titled, The Power of the Priestly Blessing, Numbers chapter 6 and verse 22. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise you shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them." These six comforting verses of blessing are tucked neatly in a book otherwise known for its rules and regulations, that is the book of Numbers. Uh, This passage is often called the priestly blessing. Some call it the Aaronic blessing, referring to Aaron, the high priest. Some even call it the Lord's Prayer of the Old Testament. No matter what you call it, it is a unique passage of Scripture, and it's written with a sort of poetic rhythm to intensify the feeling and invoke a response from the reader and those who uh, who give the blessing. Now, you might call this a fixed prayer. You say, Pastor, what is a fixed prayer? Well, a fixed prayer is a prayer that is often recited uh, from Scripture. Uh, uh, For example, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is often recited. Another one is uh, what people call the Lord's Prayer. It's really the model prayer the Lord gave for his disciples. Uh, But it starts with our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, these are fine to recite as they are part of the word of God, as long as they are not simply recited out of ritual and religious performance. Otherwise, Jesus says that is vain repetition. Our prayers should not be made of just vain repetition. 
Um, and so, uh, you know, I would not get in the religious habit because God is never impressed with our religious performance. God is concerned with the sincerity of the human heart when we pray. Now, something else, many of the Old Testament blessings, such as we're looking at here, uh, the commands, the, uh, the prayers, they have at least two and sometimes more applications. We call these dual applications. There is a primary application, and then there is a principled application. The primary application of many of the Old Testament blessings, including what we're looking at in number six, uh, the commandments, the prayers, the primary application reveals God's special covenant relationship with the nation of Israel and the people of Israel. The principled application, uh, the secondary, you might call, uh, application is God's special relationship with the church, New Testament believers, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let me give you an example. Here's here's a primary application, the Ten Commandments themselves. Uh, Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. That was given primarily, specifically to Israel, and yet those are principles for us today to live by. Another one that is often quoted, Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and, and pray and seek my face. Uh, the primary application there is God speaking to Solomon regarding the nation of Israel. However, there is a principled application behind that, so that if we today as God's children will humble ourselves We'll pray, we'll seek God's face, God will heal our land. I think we all know that our land needs healing. So you have these primary applications and these principled applications. The reason I'm telling you that, because as we look at this priestly blessing, we're going to today discover the primary application as it applies to the nation of Israel. And then the next program, we will discover the principal application of the priestly blessing and how it affects us today. We don't only want to know what it is, but we want to discover the power uh, of the priestly blessing. So let's look at the priestly blessing then, back then for the children of Israel. First of all, we notice the process of blessing in verses 22 and 23, as it is God who commands the blessing. Verse 22, and the Lord spake unto Moses saying, speak unto Aaron and his sons. So this is God's idea. Blessing is always God's idea. God desires to bless his people. Uh, Blessing is 100% voluntary based on the goodness of God. He does not have to do this for his children. He wants to do this. I'm afraid some people have the idea that God is stingy with his blessings, that he doesn't want to bless us. Well, of course God wants to bless us. In fact, God wants to bless us more than we want to bless our own children. If you are a parent or a grandparent, you know how much joy you get out of being good to your kids. I think sometimes kids think we're well, the goal of a parent is to be mean, you know. No, we want to bless our children. God's greater than that. Listen to Matthew 7 verse 11. Jesus says, if ye then being evil, your sinners, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? So God is the one who commands the blessing here because blessing is his idea. It's one of his attributes. God wants to bless his children. And then the next thing we see here is that the high priest was to be the conduit for this blessing. 
God tells Moses, now I want you to speak to Aaron, your brother, and to his sons, and you tell them, this is how I want them to bless the children of Israel. Now, a conduit, a conduit is a channel or a pipeline, you know, like electrical wire has a conduit. Uh, If you're running water from a water source, you use a conduit for the water to go through. It's a channel. So the high priest was the channel from God to the people. God has his chain of command, just like the military does. You know, in the military, the general does not go straight to the private to give him orders. The general passes the order to maybe the captain of the battalion, and then that moves to the first sergeant, and then to the platoon sergeant, and finally to uh, the private. There is a chain of command. You see that same thing here. God tells Moses. Moses tells Aaron, the high priest. Aaron tells his sons. And then Aaron and his sons would tell the people. What does that tell us about God? God is a God of order. There is an order to everything. There is an order to God's creation. You know, you have seven days there. And the seventh day, of course, God rested. There's an order of creation. God has an order for the family with the the husband to be the head of the home and uh, the the wife and the children. And then uh, even within the church, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, let everything be done decently and in order within the church, even within business. There are business principles in the Bible, and all of these things point to a God of order. So that's the process of the blessing. And now we're going to look at the parts of the priestly blessing from verses 24 through 26. Now, there are six parts of the priestly blessing. And each one of these uh, says uh, the word thee, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. Now, who is the thee there? Well, actually, thee refers to two parts. Number one, the individuals within the nation, all right? So the individuals within the nation are receiving the blessing, and then the nation itself. So you have individual blessing, and you have national blessing incorporated within this priestly blessing. I hope that makes sense, because uh, as we will see here, uh, the nation itself has never yet received this complete blessing, but individuals have within the nation. And so let's jump into it. First of all, the first part of this six-part priestly blessing says, the Lord bless thee. Now, if you had your Bible and was able to look at this, you would notice the word Lord is all capital letters, L-O-R-D. When you see the word Lord capitalized in the scripture, that refers to the Hebrew word Yahweh. The, the, the English word you may be more familiar with is Jehovah. It means the eternal self-existent God. It is mentioned three times in verses 24, 25, and 26. It implies the participation of the Godhead. You say, Pastor, what is the Godhead? That is the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Remember that we worship one God manifested in three persons, all right? We don't worship three gods. We have one God manifested, and each one has a responsibility and a purpose, all right? And I'll bring that out more in our next program. But what I want us to see here, the Lord bless thee, means, again, that God desired to bless Israel. But it was conditional. In the Bible, you have conditional and unconditional blessings, An unconditional blessing means something that God would do in spite of uh, the uh, performance of the person the promise was given to. For example, the Abrahamic covenant. God promised Abraham he would bless him, he would make a great nation of him, he would give him land. 
unconditional of what Abraham did. Abraham didn't deserve it. In fact, Abraham messed up several times in his life, but God said, I'm going to do this unconditionally. That's an unconditional covenant. Then you have some conditional covenants. A conditional covenant is when God would say, I'll do this if you meet these standards. All right. So let's put this in the context of our own children. All right. If your child is your child, that is unconditional. Doesn't matter what he does or she does. They are unconditionally your child. All right. However, you're blessing them. You're allowing them to maybe stay out later or to go somewhere with a friend is conditioned on their performance. You know, if you clean your bedroom, then I'll let you go uh, to the ball game. You know, that, that sort of thing. It's conditional. God does the same thing. So what we have here in this blessing, we, we have a conditional blessing. Now, uh, we find the conditions uh, for this in Deuteronomy chapter 28. So it's in the very next book after Numbers. You have Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1. And it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God. There's the condition to observe and do all his commandments and which I command you this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations on the earth and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, blessed shalt thou be in the field, blessed shalt thou, shall be the fruit of thy body. Verse five, blessed shall be the basket in thy store, blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. God says, if you obey and you follow my commands, I'm gonna bless you in all these ways. Now, what if they did not follow God's commands? Well, we find that in verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city. Cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket in thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body. Cursed shall be when thou comest in, and cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. It was all predicated conditionally on what Israel did, okay? So, so we have this blessing, the Lord bless thee, conditioned upon their obedience of God's uh, commands. And the second part of the blessing says in verse 24 of number six, the Lord bless thee, number two, and keep thee. The word keep there means that God would protect and preserve his people. Uh, we uh, get a little more of this in Psalm 121 and verse three. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Verse 7, the Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. This means God would protect and preserve his people. Now, again, let me remind you, this is conditioned upon their obedience and it is also individually and nationally. Now, here's the thing. God has protected and preserved his people throughout history. But it's oftentimes been a remnant because not, not the whole nation itself was not obedient. 
In fact, they went into Babylonian captivity, Assyrian captivity, Roman captivity. They were dispersed. They're a nation again, but still the nation as a whole is not obedient to God, but there are individuals obedient. In the past, there were men like Daniel, the three Hebrew boys, uh, Queen Esther. These were people that even though the nation was not obedient, they individually, God was keeping them. He was preserving them. That continues even today. We call them a remnant, just like a if you have a piece of carpet covering a room and then you take a piece of that carpet, the piece is the remnant. God has always protected and preserved a remnant of his earthly people, Israel. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to keep you. Number three, back to our text. The Lord make his face shine upon thee. Now, the uh, the grammatical word for that is an anthropomorphism. An anthropomorphism attributes human qualities to God. All right, this is used at different times in the scripture. David in Psalm 31 and verse 16 said, make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Again, in Psalm 80 and verse three, turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. In Daniel's prayer, Daniel nine seventeen, he said, hear the prayer of thy servant and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary. When he says here, the Lord make his face shine upon thee, that is speaking of God's favor and God's presence. We ought to desire that. God says, I'm going to give you favor. I'm going to give you my presence. Now, we see an example of this in Exodus chapter 34 with Moses. The Bible tells us when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in his hand, he came down from the mount. He knew not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. And they were afraid to come nigh him. Well, you can finish that out. Moses had to put a covering on his face to talk to the people because his face was beaming so bright. I don't know if he looked like a 100-watt bulb or or a 200-watt bulb. Whatever the case was, he had been in the presence of God, and that had so affected him that his face was glowing. And so when when God says, the Lord make his face shine upon thee, that is uh, speaking of God's favor and God's presence. Number four. He says in verse 25, the Lord be gracious unto thee. Well, we're going to talk more about grace next week, but I'll just say this. Grace means God's unmerited and undeserved favor. The Lord be gracious unto thee. In Exodus 34 and verse 6, the Bible says, And the Lord passed by before Moses and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and in truth. The Lord be gracious unto thee. The fifth part of the priestly blessing. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. That's in verse 26. Well, you have another anthropomorphism here. You might call this the smile of God, his countenance. It represents God's approval and affection for his people. You know, we have that ourselves. You think of, uh, you go to your child's or your grandchild's ball game. You know, you're not there to watch everybody. You're there to watch your child, your grandchild. And man, when he, when, when he or she kicks in a soccer goal or they make a basket or they hit the ball, man, you just jump up and you beam and they look over at you and they see you smiling. They like that because they're getting your approval. Dad came to my game or grandma came to watch me and they're cheering for me. That's what God does for his children. 
children. You know, the biggest cheerleader you and I have is God Almighty. I think we, we think God's up there with a stern look on his face, looking to, uh, you know, uh, scold us and get on to us. No, God would much rather catch us doing right than catch us doing wrong. I'm the same way with my children. I, I don't have to look too hard to, <laughs> to catch them doing something wrong. I want to catch them doing something right. That's how God is. He's your greatest cheerleader. That's what it means here. God's approval, God's affection. Psalm 4 and verse 6 says, lift up the light of thy countenance upon us. Psalm 42 and verse 5, I shall praise him for the help of his countenance. It just does something for you when you realize God is in your corner. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Well, the Lord Lord, lift up his countenance upon thee. And then the sixth part, and give thee peace. Now, peace, what is peace? Well, peace is not merely the absence of war. Peace is the presence of well-being in spite of the circumstances. You see, God doesn't promise his children they won't have any problems. He does say that he will give us peace if we keep our mind on him and not the problems. You're going to have problems. Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. You're going to have problems and heartaches and and, uh, issues. We all have issues, all right? You're going to have those. But peace means that I can rest and trust God in spite of the circumstances. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Isaiah 26 and verse 3. It says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. If you are stressed out, if you're not in peace, then your mind is not in the right place. <laughs> you know, if you if you watch Fox News all the time or CNN or MSNBC and you watch the, the, the events going on in the world and the economy and you get caught up in the politics and then you have your own problems with your, your finances and your uh, relationships, your marriage, your children, boy, you'll get stressed out. Your mind's on that. But if you keep your mind on God, and by the way, you do that by renewing your mind every day, reading the Word of God, praying, going to church, listening to podcasts like this, then your mind is stayed on God and you can relax and you can trust Him, even though the circumstances uh, surrounding you may be difficult. Well, here's the last part that I want us to, to see, and it's in verse 27. We see the promise of the blessing. God promises complete recognition of His people. Verse 27, and they shall put my name upon the children of Israel. You see, when two people get married, the bride takes on the name of the groom, right? And they become one uh, together, one flesh. Uh, That name means we are together. There's an identification there. Same thing if you have a deed on your home or a vehicle, your name is on that, uh, that contract, that title, Uh, a bank account has your name. It implies identification with that. Well, God identifies himself with the children of Israel and especially their, uh, their city of Jerusalem. First Kings 1136 says, Jerusalem, the city, which I have chosen me to put my name there. Nehemiah one and verse nine, the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Ezekiel 48. 835, the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. Beloved, it's very important to know that God's name is on the nation of Israel. That doesn't mean they always make the right decisions politically and, and all of that, but when it comes to his people and it comes to his land, we better stay on the side of Israel. Our current U.S. administration is actively pursuing recognizing an independent Palestinian state. Part of that would include a two-state solution, which would divide the land of Israel. That has already been tried, and it won't work. That's why they chant from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. They don't even want a nation of Israel there. But when a nation says we're going to divide God's land 
a nation is asking for God's judgment. Why? Because you're poking your finger into the eye of God. It's his people. It's his land. He's put his name there, whether you like it or not. God gives them complete recognition. And then finally, we see complete realization. He says in the end of verse 27, and I will bless them. Now, I mentioned a moment ago, Israel has not nationally kept God's condition for national blessing. Many of the people in Israel today are atheists. They don't even believe God. They're very secular. Others that are religious do not recognize Jesus Christ. Yeshua is their Messiah. One day they will. The book of Zechariah tells us that when Jesus returns, they will look upon him whom they have pierced, and they'll recognize that he is the Messiah, their Savior all along. But when will they get this blessing? God's already promised it. He says, I will bless them. It's going to occur in the coming kingdom age. That is the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ on the earth. I'm going to read from Ezekiel chapter 34 and uh, wrap the message up. Verse 23, God says, and I will set up one shepherd over them, over Israel, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them and he shall be their shepherd. David, King David, will be the, you might think of it as the uh, vice president or vice regent for the Lord Jesus Christ in the kingdom age. The Bible is filled with information on this earthly kingdom that Christ will establish when he returns. Verse 24, and I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it and I will make with them a covenant of peace and will cause the evil beast to cease out of the land and they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Well, they're not safe yet, but they will be one day. In verse 26, and I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing, and I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers a blessing. That's a hymn that we often sing in church, showers a blessing, comes from that scripture. I'll close with this. The priestly blessing is also a prophetic blessing for the nation of Israel. God's desire is to bless Israel and that they would be a blessing to the rest of the world. That should be our desire as well. Put your politics aside. Put your personal preference aside. Realize this. The Bible teaches that God will bless Israel and we better be on God's side. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's a powder keg in the Middle East right now. We're involved in it. Many nations of the world are. and I I personally believe it's pointing to the soon return of Jesus Christ. I don't know what day it'll be, but you need to be ready for that. You need to be saved because it could happen any time. But we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the Jewish people that they will recognize Jesus Christ is their Messiah. And until he comes, we better side with the children of Israel because God says, I have put my name there. Now, that That's the priestly blessing then. Next program, we're going to look at the priestly blessing and how it affects us today. Thank you so much for listening, being a part of our program today. I look forward to being with you again next time. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you, is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, 
Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.